A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Once you were darkness, but now the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed my sight. They, they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, Put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? They were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. Parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, asked him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know. Though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did you open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, He is an astonishing thing. We do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Ever since the world began, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? They drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And 
you worship him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who did not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Now David was not likely so glamorous as Renaissance 
And yet somehow Samuel knew in an instance that David was the one, the hand picked by God, king of Israel. Now I think this story is fascinating. But in terms of applying it to my own life, I have one huge problem. Unlike Samuel, I do not have a Jewish pastor style of connecting me directly to the voice and will of God. I don't know what God is asking of me in any I'm assuming that neither did the people here at Trinity in the 1970s, and neither do we as a diocese as we prepare to vote for our next bishop on Saturday, and neither do we in almost any discernment process as a community and as individuals. How do we as God's people move forward when faced with unexpected or complicated situations? How are the religious leaders to move forward on that Sabbath day 2,000 years ago when Jesus broke the rules and gave sight to a blind man on the Sabbath? They wondered if the seeing man in front of them was actually the same man who had previously been blind or was he an imposter. There was an unsolvable conundrum. If Jesus actually healed the man on the Sabbath, then they assumed. Jesus was clearly a rule breaker, a sinner. And if Jesus was a sinner, according to known doctrine, there was no way he could have had the power to perform a miracle. So what happened? In their eyes, there was no answer, no context for knowing how to proceed. Those religious leaders, who, by the way, are always referred to as Jews in John's Gospel, as if the entire assembly also Jewish. Those religious leaders were stumped, and so they called in the now not blind man and interrogated him. And they called in his parents, <laughs> confirmed his identity, but were too scared to say much more. The leaders then interrogated the transformed man again, and he began to get annoyed with them. Why is the man was celebrating this miracle with me, you may have wondered. Why am I on trial? And why is the man who gave his sight on trial? There was anxiety and uneasiness all over the place. And this story, this is the story that feels more like real life to me. It was hard to know what to do. The people of God were in a tough spot. We have so many tough spots to figure out in our own lives. Sometimes I feel inadequately equipped for all the figuring out that has to be done. Maybe you know something about that overwhelmed feeling, too. We must make decisions about our families, about medical treatments, decisions about our children or our parents, decisions about what to let go of when budgets won't balance, decisions about how to navigate complicated relationships, complicated issues at work, complicated Often we find ourselves in places where there is far more angst than peace. And these are Lenten places, I think, because they are deeply human places. Places where we see that we humans need a divine companionship and thus we ache for the God who was a suffering human alongside of us. That suffering and angst are real. But that suffering is not 
light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. That is our calling amid the noise and haste of this world. To try to find what is pleasing to God in complicated situations, in broken glass, in broken relationships, in a search for an answer or a leader or a way forward. We are called to try to see what is right and good and true. This is not an easy task, and often we miss the mark. But the good news is that in our attempts, we know we are accompanied by one another and by Jesus Christ. As the snow and ice piles melt away, and our feet once again touch the matted grasses of early spring, we are reminded that we are grounded in the life-giving love of an ever-present, good, messy, incarnate God. And even on days when we can't find clarity in much else, I pray we find clarity in that.
Diana, Judy, Maureen, our priest associates, for this gathering and for all ministers and people. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Church of Ireland and the Diocese of Armagh, for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and the unity in the worldwide Anglican in our diocesan cycle of prayer, we give thanks to the ministries of the St. Mark's Church, Boxborough, St. Andrew's Church, Framingham, St. John's Church, Grantham, St. John's Church, Gloucester, and wardens, treasurers, and clerks in our congregation. I ask your prayers for peace for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison, praying for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God, or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they be found and be found by God. I ask your prayers for the departed. We remember especially Katha Vidal, friend of Robert and Kate Chartner, Nan Fritz, friend of Claudia Waterhouse, and the firefighters who died in the fire in Boston. We remember those who we have been asked to pray for. Margaret, Barbara, Walter, Michael, Amy, John, Tom, Spencer and Lisa, Peggy, Everett, Mary Jane, Anne, the Tony family, Kenneth, Sharon, Olive, Bishop, Tom, Bishop Tom, Greg, Linda, Matthew, the Carter family, Elizabeth, Kathy, Sarah, Barbara, Alona, Philip, Jenna, Reverend Stephen, Don, Susan, Deborah, Freda, Bob, Judy, Bonnie, Doug, Jimmy, Thelma, Anna, Molly, Sophie, Janet, Harriet, Wayne, Eric, Helen, Eddie, Edie, Liz, those who have jobs, those serving in the military, and those working in peace. I invite your prayers and intercessions at this time, either silently or loud.
Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have the grace to glorify Christ in our own day. Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, mercifully accept the prayers of your people. Strengthen us to do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you. Good morning, I'm Barbara. 
create fundraising events and community events that are so important to keeping us alive between Sundays. Um, with that in mind, next Sunday, immediately after church or after you wrap up a coffee, there's going to be what we're calling generally a fundraising meeting. So that covers the kitchen tour this fall with, with luck and a few other things. will be a kitchen tour. Um, what do we do about a fair for next year? What other kinds of events might we consider? If you have any ideas, please come. If you helped out before, come with thoughts about what we could do differently. All opinions are both needed and welcome. Next Sunday, there will be food. <laughs> Thank you. 
daunting task or any of the others, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, because we have a lot to do in what's really only about another six weeks. So April is the real start. Thank you. Starts not here.
your goodness in the world around us, and so we violated your creation, abused one another, and rejected your love. Yet you never ceased to care for us, and prepared the way of salvation for all people. Abraham and Sarah called us in the covenant with you. You delivered us from slavery, sustained us in the wilderness, and raised up prophets to renew your promise of salvation. Then in the fullness of time, you sent your eternal word, made flesh, mortal flesh in Jesus, born in the human family, and dwelling among us, he revealed your glory. Giving himself freely to death on the cross, he triumphed over evil, opening the way to freedom and life. On the night before he died for us, our Savior Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his friends and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. As supper was ending, Jesus took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for all of sins. Whenever you drink, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, 